today we're going to be talking about funnels and asking questions and why so many of my fucking tabs are old Zoom conversations. I'm Briar Harvey and this is Ask Briar. Dun, 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 dun. I have no tag music or anything fun or cool. Someday I'll get around to that. Okay. So today, uh, my one and only guest is at the midway point, which makes this fun and interesting. So I thought I'd take a few minutes to, I don't know, potentially introduce myself to people who don't know and possibly tell you why I'm here and why I'm torturing myself with live video recordings on YouTube, because it's certainly my idea of a fun time. I am a mom of three, technically four. We'll get to that. Um, maybe more than that. Never mind. We'll get to that. I have been married for 20 years next month. My oldest daughter is 18. She is autistic. My middle son uh, is nine, and then my youngest is three. And in between the two boys, there is a missing baby, which is a fun and enlightening story, let me tell you. Okay, so I started my business about 10 years ago. I was making hand-blended massage oils and personal lubricants. It was the wild west of the internet, and the oil shillers were not as crazy as they are now, and no one was talking about ingesting or doing things like that. It was still just essential oils, and we were all fairly responsible with their use. So I was making lube and massage oil and selling them on the internet and having a grand old time talking about sex mostly because that's how I was selling the personal lubricant side of this. And at some point in time, some of my customers said to me in the way that this happens, you talk about sex a lot, Briar. You should be a coach. And so I was, because again, wild west of the internet, and nobody cared in those days that you were hanging up a shingle and saying, hey, I'm a coach now. Today, I have a lot of feelings about that. Coaching is very akin to therapy, and we do not have the same standards for coaches as we do for therapists. There are a lot of people who practice as coaches who maybe shouldn't be practicing as coaches. And not only do we care that they don't have credentials, we just honestly don't care what those credentials are, where they came from. It's a whole loaded thing now. But then, now it's fine. I was a coach. It's great. So I was working as a sex coach and I was doing fairly reputably for myself then. I it was like 
eight years ago. I had a Facebook group. I can't imagine how many people would in, be in that Facebook group now if I still had it. And I was 34 weeks pregnant with my third child. And I had just had my first five-figure launch, you know, the one that we all like to talk about in business is being the thing. It's five figures, right? Five figures in a launch. It wasn't in one day, but it was in a week. And I was going to be teaching a group coaching program on life and sex after baby. And then two weeks later, I had a full-term stillbirth and nearly bled to death, and the baby died, and I certainly could not teach any class on how to have a life after a baby because I didn't have a baby. I have also never eclipsed that sales figure since, if we're wanting to talk about self-analysis. Um, so then let's see, after that, I it took me a while before I exploded the business, but in fact, I did explode the business. That's also a story for another time. Um, and then I started writing because it was something I could do without being out front in front of the world. I could write as a ghostwriter, which then turned to copywriting, which then turned to course design, which then eventually led me at some point in time to go, mm, hey, I'd kind of like to get paid more for this. I bet if I sold it more actively, I could do that. So I decided to venture back into the brave waters of the internet, and that was two years ago, almost three years ago now. And ever since, I've been doing systems and back-end work because you know how they say you should pick a niche and stick with that? Yeah, I fucking suck at it. In addition to the systems part, I also have a podcast the only reason this one's not live on iTunes yet is because I have yet to get off of my ass and make that so. The other podcast, Latchkey Movies, is where we review kids' movies and swear a lot. It's a good time. You should check it out. So this one was born, in fact, because for a while I've been wanting to do a podcast where I tell stories. Some of them are mine. Some of them are things that I know. Some of them are other people's that happen to involve me. And I wanted to be able to have a forum for that. I've sat on, there's a whole like list. It's ages. It's miles long. I cannot even begin to express to you how long this list of topic ideas is for this podcast that has never, will never see the light of day because I am a perfectionist at heart and cannot deal with the idea of it not being perfect, hence the lives. 
that because I can't come back and edit this part at all. There's no fixing this. It's just out here now and it's fine because really it is. I'm generally okay with it being out into the world. Once I'm done with it, I'll walk away from this in 25 minutes and go about my business. It'll probably be lunch. And then I have another call after it and it'll be fine. I like the, this feels like the stage to me still. So it's great and I'm enjoying it. But I can't edit it and that makes it worthwhile to me. So that is why we are here in this live capacity. If you're listening to it as a podcast, it will no longer be live and you'll just have to deal with the interesting parts where it's not live. And I frankly probably won't care about that then either. My main concern is avoiding vocal fry and any other assorted misspeeches, which I'm sure there will be lots of, because that's not a word either. I did acting in high school. I mentioned that in an episode ago. In an episode ago, wow, I'm really, I'm on top of the language today. This is why I like, I would just record this over and over and over again. And I would not be able to handle the imperfection until it was perfect. And I think there's probably a lesson there, probably not just for me either. Perfectionism is something that we're all incredibly guilty of. We do it on the internet stage. We edit ourselves on Instagram. We are absolutely terrible about cutting ourselves and filtering ourselves and putting ourselves in positions that don't display us in the best light. And I think that one of the joys of telling your story is that you get to be exactly who you are, even if it's not in the best light. And I think that is yet another reason why I like it live. It's not ever going to be my best cut. And that's what makes it great. Alrighty. Allison is here. She is here. We're very excited. I'm going to push the button now. There you yes. are. See? The fun. It's all fun. Okay. Yay. How you doing today? Good. How are you? I am hanging in there. I My head feels much lighter. I still haven't gotten used to the way. I see you've fairly recently gotten your hair cut too. Yeah, in July. It's just awesome. I love mm -hmm. it. So, 30 seconds. Give us the spiel. <gasps> on on what I do. You, you and what you're selling today oh, at this time. <laughs> So I'm Allison Tedford. I am a marketing consultant from Abbotsford, BC, Canada, and I work with 
brands and solopreneurs and help them share their values um, through their marketing content. And so I do kind of positioning and messaging and coaching around that. I help people develop plans to be able to implement social justice in their business. And that's what really lights me up. Um, otherwise, I write copy and content. And I love supporting people in their journey to make their dreams and spread them everywhere. That's my favorite Just, thing. just not in MailChimp. Not in MailChimp. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> not a fan. Not a super fan at all. I, I don't know why anyone would be. And I think people still, honestly, I think people still use it because it's the one they know. It's the one that everyone hears of. And as soon as you learn it, you should learn that there are better options. <laughs> yes. So many better options. Yes. I'm a hardcore Clavio fan, actually. It's I like Clavio, actually. It's good. Yeah. It's some, I really like that. And... Um, I actually found that Infusionsoft slash Keep is not as not as bad as people say it is. Um, no, but it's not my favorite. No, it's, it's <laughs> not. Oh my god, I'm trying to remember. It's not Get Response. I had a client with Get Response, and I really I wanted to throw that one through the window. <laughs> like it was is pretty bad. Is pretty bad. All right. We are not here to talk about email software, although no, th we're that not. could be a whole fucking thing. I'm Good. certain of it. <laughs> no, what I really wanted to pick your brain on is, is it ever too early to start integrating funnels into your business? And what are the things that people make the most mistakes on when they are just making decisions about automating their marketing? Okay, now I have to ask, are you asking generally or for you specifically? Well, I mean, I'm asking for a friend, obviously. Okay, you're asking for a friend. Well, then the first thing that I would tell your friend is you need a goddamn email list. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's a cobbler's children situation. Oh, God, I know. You don't even have to tell me about those things ever. Oh, my God. I, I don't have a funnel of my own. I'm building one right now, but I still don't have a funnel of my own. So when is it too early? When the product's not validated. So if we're talking about your friend who may or may not have a course that she has sold successfully to a full cohort, that's a validated product. Yes. Then if she potentially makes it an evergreen product, she should <laughs> be able to then start a very slow funnel for it, potentially with ads. Mm -hmm. Now, cost is a factor here because it is difficult to sell a $500 course on Facebook ads. It, you know, it's not 2015 anymore. We used to be able to do that, but we cannot really do that anymore. So it's an end of funnel thing. And what you need to have is the little tiny, oh God, they're all copyrighted. 
pocket product and tiny offer. And I'm sorry to all of those people whose names I'm not naming, but little products, right? The little $25, and I say $25, what I really mean is $27 or $29, but $25 product, right? You got to have one that leads you in and then at some point in time, you can later make the offer for your $500 big course. Yes. Yes. So that's, it's never too early if you've sold the thing more than once. Like if the offer is validated, then any time after that is a good time to start building the funnel or at least building the framework for it. And the thing about funnels is that they take time. It is not easy to just, and you build them on the back end, you know too. I have had customers come to me, hey, can we put this together in a month? Well, no, no, you cannot. I mean, you can, but you don't wanna pay me the rush fee that it'll cost to put it together for you in a month because that's a lot of extra work. So start then with the email list, just have one. Start building it slowly. Then having a pocket offer is helpful. Then getting people onto the list, because these days we'd rather spend $25 than give you our email address for free. This is sad, but true. And they may not use it and they won't remember you because they got it with 12,000 other things. Right, but if they pay $27 for your product, they're at least, they at least went through the cart system. So yeah. when they get an email from you, they're like, oh yeah, I remember this thing that I bought that I didn't do anything with. Which <laughs> yes. is, let's be honest, still the case. We don't <laughs> download the PDFs in your free opt-in either. You <laughs> might click through on the spreadsheet if it's a spreadsheet, because we all like to click through and look at pretty Excel's pages, come on, that's that's true of all of us. We like the pretty Excel pages, but we're probably not going to use it afterwards. So <laughs> I'm updating my pitch list. I pitched this as an opt-in yesterday. I have more than 100 people who have raised their hands for it and I will send it to them when it's done and I might get those uh, the conversion rate on an on this is probably I'm, I'm going to guess about 20%. So I'll get those people on my list and then two of them will I mean let's be really honest. Two of them will actually go to the spreadsheet, read the pitch options, and go, hey, I should do something with it. One of them might send a pitch out. <laughs> I mean, so when we're, when we're looking at the early part of an opt-in, yeah, it needs, to be, it needs to be something small, tangible, that they will potentially pay money for and then probably not use. And then that leads them into the upsell or the downsell. And those are, I'll be honest, I understand how they work. I still don't understand how they work. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand them. I, I know what they're supposed to be. 
One's the $37 offer. One's the more expensive offer. But it doesn't... Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's whole flow charts at this point in time. And what we're really after with funnels is how are you benefiting your customer? Right? Mm -hmm. That's what you and I care about. Building yeah. a funnel should benefit the end user. So what can you offer as a small tangible portion of your big $500 class, right? That's what you need to figure out is your tiny offer, tiny product. That's $25. Figure out what that looks like. And then, yeah, you can start building a funnel. But you want it to be worthwhile. You want it to mean something. You're not just looking to make $25 off every schmuck who just opens up their wallet. Exactly. I mean, I'd love to wear all the rompers that would flow from it, but I do ultimately care that people are getting good use out of it. So figuring out what the use is, mm -hmm. how they can benefit from it is ultimately going to inform the shape of your funnel to, I mean, the design of it. Your business is always, um, I'm getting into all of these architecture metaphors now that I can't seem to escape, but that is in <laughs> fact, you're building a framework with a funnel, right? Yeah. We want to guide people in down the long hallway to the big welcoming door at the end where they pay us lots of money. And we want them to feel good about going to that door at the end of the hallway. So... How can you structure things along the way that they will feel good about paying for? Yes, that makes sense for sure. You're so smart. Oh, thank you. I'm going to file that away for later. <laughs> Honestly, about four minutes from now, when you are no longer here and I'm floundering to get through the rest of my list because I do so much better with other people than I do by myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, off to practice again thank you for coming i love you i adore you i will talk I to you. you soon sounds good love you bye bye <clears throat> yes here i am okay so this is not this is not technically a question that i got but but it is. It's a question that I got. When I was pitching the podcast to people, which I did as a surprise, by the way, I, I did not tell people that I was starting a podcast where I was going to have them on to ask me questions because that it felt like a good, you know, through line. And when I started approaching people, to get them to come on the show, one of the responses I got really surprised me. It was not a question. It was an assertion that they didn't have any questions. And this happened more than once. So there's a whole actual sentiment there about being able to ask the question. And I, I really, I've been thinking about it for a while. One of my favorite quotes from old Socrates, <laughs> because Socrates isn't right either, y'all. Just saying. 
Old Socrates said that wisdom is knowing that which we do not know. And I've always loved this ever since my very first philosophy class because hmm, there's so much we don't know, right? There's These are the things that we know that we know. And these are maybe the things that we know we don't know. But these are the things that we don't even know we don't know. There's a whole bunch of shit that we will never even be aware of not knowing. It's, we can't. We're just, we don't have that kind of time. The human life is a little too short to be able to even ascertain what we do not know. So I was honestly a little surprised by this because I always have questions. There is never not a point in time where I don't have questions. And I don't believe that there are stupid questions. I believe that there are stupid people who ask questions, but there are not stupid questions. So not having a question then was a really interesting perspective to me. And I think what it comes down to isn't that they don't have questions. It's that they're concerned about not appearing to be an expert at all times. Because if I admit that I don't know, then I might not be an expert about all of the things that I do know about. And I'm really honestly fascinated by the need that we have, especially these days, to constantly be in charge, to be the expert, to be the authority. Part of that, I think, comes from certainly some of the circles that I hang out in with high-level entrepreneurs who are trying to sell and scale that expertise. There is something clearly that comes with selling yourself as a service or as a product even, and not even in a sexual way. I mean, most entrepreneurs who are service providers are selling themselves as the service first. They may be providing a service, but what people are ultimately paying for is who they are as a person. And these people don't want to be seen as people who don't have all the answers which I can understand on one level, but on another, I'm a little bit frustrated by the need to feel like we have all of the answers. It's important to me to be open to the question because when we're open to that question, we're open to the possibility of it. We're open to the possibility of being wrong. We're open to the possibility of having a conversation. If we're not open to not being the expert all of the time, then we're probably not open to being told we could be wrong. And there's a lot of humility in being wrong and in being willing to admit that you're wrong, to being willing to admit that you don't have all of the answers. 
I feel like we need a little more of that humility in the world right now. I would like to see us embrace the question more often. For me, when it comes to embracing things, I tend to lean into those things on a pretty cyclical basis. One of the things that I've started doing recently, and I started it kind of unconsciously during cancer season this year. I am a cancer. I am very much a cancer. And this year's been rough for me. I I leaned into it fairly early on in the year that 2020 was going to really fucking suck, that there was a lot of probability that the dreams and goals that I had set out for myself weren't going to happen. And because of that, honestly, I feel like I've been at a bit of an advantage. I've had lots of time to really do that deep soul searching that has been required of this year to feel my feelings and to figure out what it is that matters to me, what it is that is important to me, what I want to be doing as I proceed on with this year. So sort of in cancer season, I leaned into feeling those feelings every day. I started working with someone who was a tapping expert. I started doing regular tapping on some of my programs. I started doing regular cord cutting rituals. I started really being aware of what my boundaries are. And I am not a person who has boundary issues. I will tell your ass no so fast it'll make your head spin and I'll do it with a smile because my boundaries matter deeply to me and they have mattered and been foundational for me for almost two decades. So certainly that wasn't the issue, but being clear about my boundaries has definitely led to some real blessings. So with that in mind, I left cancer season and being aware of my feelings and entered Leo season. I'm right on the cusp between cancer and Leo. So I consider myself a cancer, but there's a lot of lion in my chart as evidenced by, look at my podcast. And I wanted to really cultivate that. So I went into Leo season being clear about how I shine for the world, how I appear to other people. I wanted to be seen in grace and glory and thus this podcast was born because I am just a little bit vain and it's okay. I'm leaning into those parts of myself. I'm leaning into the luxury of being able to choose exactly what it is that I do and exactly how it is I'm spending my time. So as we go into Virgo season, I wanted to offer you my latest intentional ritual. And you probably won't like this one. Uh, Virgo rising. So all three of these have been very much a part of me and who I am and my programming. And this one is no exception. It is the 
30 minutes a day of cleaning and or organization. Yesterday, I spent 30 minutes going through my fucking email. I have done some cleaning in my basement. We'll see where the month takes me. I am... This is an interesting one for me because hear about those boundaries again after, I don't know, 17, 18 years of being married and being the one in charge of taking care of all of the things around the house. I set up some boundaries and really put my foot down around what I was responsible for and what everyone else was responsible for. So these days I don't clean. I don't fold laundry. I do it because I don't actually trust anyone to do it correctly. But that's that's a me thing. I could probably get rid of that one if I was willing to, too. I have children who are capable of running a washing machine, but I don't trust them. So I don't fold laundry, and I only cook dinner two, maybe three nights a week. I have delegated it out. I consider myself the general of the household and my husband is the field marshal. I create the plan, he executes it, either by doing it himself or delegating it to the children or to somebody we pay. And when COVID started, we got rid of our cleaning service because it wasn't a cleaning person. It was a service. I did not feel comfortable having someone in who I didn't know, who I couldn't guarantee their level of health. And while the house has not slipped into utter disrepair because I am Virgo rising, it's tidy. It's not clean. So I'm really working at what that cleanliness looks like, what it means to me, how I can incorporate it, and how I can do it in a way that feels sacred. All of this for me from cancer season on this year has been about incorporating the sign in a very holistic way that feels good to me as I am invoking these things. Next up, we will have Libra, and I am fairly confident that Libra season is going to be devoted to getting my fall and winter wardrobe in place because I feel like that's great Libra energy. Scorpio is after that and that's going to be a hell of a thing but we'll probably work on my ancestor rituals and how I work with my spirits. It'll be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. As I really do when I am building out these rituals and things in my life. They're foundational for me. Which brings me, last but not least, hey, I'm over. I'm getting really good at filling dead air time where there's no one talking to me but me. Vanity. Okay, so I'm working right now on my recruitment offer. And I think the way that I want to describe this right now is if your business is a house then you've been spending a lot of time in it this year. You've come to realize that you don't have all of your foundational things in place 
you don't have contracts or you don't have back-end systems where you can go in and find something at a moment's notice. You don't have those pillars that make your business an enjoyable place to spend time in. Forget about the carpet or the window treatments. We're not even there yet. So many of you, I think, are having problems just figuring out where the next step is. And there's this huge, overwhelming sense of guilt that I keep hearing about from my clients because it's, I have all this extra time now, I should be able to figure this shit out. And I'm here to inform you that systems do not come naturally to most people. You are unlikely to just figure them out on your own. What that means for you then is that you probably need help and you probably need to bring someone in who is qualified to take a look at the mess and help you pick up some of the pieces, help get all of those shredded papers into the trash can, help get the good stuff filed away in a cabinet somewhere. For a lot of you, a VA is the first step. For others, it's not. It's the need to hire a designer who will do your graphics for you in a quarter of the time that you spend in Canva convincing yourself that you're a designer and even less time of the guilt of oh my god I gotta go design that fucking graphic because we don't all do that or anything so knowing that you need to turn things over is half the battle maybe, then it's hiring someone. And hiring someone seems to be a real obstacle for a lot of my people. It's something that you're having real problems with because you don't know who to bring in and you don't know what they need to do once you bring them in. So that is where I am currently focusing is in sharing the gloriousness of my network with other people. If you need someone to come in and do something for you, whether that's a VA, whether that's a graphic designer, whether that's a copywriter, trust me, I know someone you can call and I know someone who is going to do that work for you in a way that matters, right? If you are watching this, you are probably my person and my people care very deeply about the work that they're putting out into the world. They care a lot that it matters, that it's significant, that it's meaningful, that it's impactful and that it's changing things. And with all of those things being equal, who you bring in then matters. You want people who are doing that work in the same way. So let me find that person for you so that you don't have to do the work. I have an offer strictly for hiring and I have an upgrade for hiring and onboarding because sometimes you need someone to come in and help show the help around. And that is well within my purview to do as well. So I'm looking forward to presenting this offer over the next couple of weeks as I continue to flesh it out. It's not fully there yet, but I'm very excited about it. I'm beta testing it right now. It's, if you're interested, contact me and we will go over the price. It's wholly cheap balls right now because again, I'm beta testing it and I'm solidifying the offer. Let me know if you are interested. All right, guys. Look, 39 minutes, holy shit, I actually can talk about nothing to myself for an extended period of time. I'm pretty pleased. This is going to go, wow, I'm so excited to be doing this. It's 
going to be fun. Okay. If any of this was of value to you, please buy me a couple of tacos. Link is down below. And I will see y'all on Friday. I have a new feature on Friday. I'm going to be ranting about feminism because, yes, of course, I'm going to be ranting about feminism. And I will see you then. Talk to you later. Bye.